to the Prophecy Club. So this is going to be a continuation in training. In other words, we are assuming at this point that society has broken down. And at some point, the masses out there have discovered, no, there's not going to be a pre-trib rapture coming to rescue you from any of this tribulation. And they have found themselves in a tribulation and they have sought themselves out someone that can answer questions about what in the world is going on. You are one of those people that they're coming to, to be able to give an answer, to be able to teach them and explain to them what is going on. So you have gathered together a group of people saying, we're going to meet here. We're going to meet at such time. And by the way, don't be surprised, like some of the churches and some of the areas where it's really difficult, the Holy Spirit tells them where to show up, at what time to show up, because they can't set a time because the authorities come in to raid the place. So those are the kind of things that probably are not too far away. So here it is. You're going to be setting up a Bible study. People are asking you to explain what's going on, so you're teaching through the book of Revelation. That's what I'm going to be doing. Now, that's kind of the main plan for the next many broadcasts it takes. But, of course, as we go along, there will be things that happen in the news that I have to jump in and do something different. We have to change our plan. But, nevertheless, at least that's the plan for the next several broadcasts, probably maybe even 10 or 15, maybe even 20 broadcasts, to teach through the book of Revelation. Now, in case you're not aware of my background, you may be saying, well, who are you and why should I listen to you? Because you're just going to give me your opinion just like everybody else. Matter of fact, I got an email and they said, well, yours is the first book on Bible prophecy I've read in a long time because most of them out there are just someone's opinion. But in my case, here's what happened. About two years ago, I memorized the book of Revelation. Now, I didn't think anything special was going to happen. It was just a project. I mean, I was impressed to do it, but I didn't think anything was going to happen. But what started happening is I started getting revelations. As a matter of fact, I got 30 revelations and two visions and one audible voice. And I have to, I, I'll just say it straight up. I did not know anything that is in this book. And I put these revelations into a book. It's called Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, available at Prophecy Club. One for 20, five for 30, 10 for 55. Don't buy one for 20. To get at least five for 30, preferably 10 for 55, or a whole case of them, 60 of them for a gift of $250. Now, why? Because this book is going to take you from just another person's opinion up to where it'll make a difference who comes to you. You're trying to do this Bible study. It's in a time of trouble. Someone comes to you and says, you are off your rocker. You have a hole in your head. You don't know what you're talking about. You are going to be able to say, oh, yes, I do. You will understand Bible prophecy better than probably most any of the people around you, including pastors, because if pastors have not read this book, they do not know as much as you having read the book. So it is a must that you get the book, not that I'm trying to sell the book, not that I'm trying to make money. I am called, as I've said before, to build an end-time army of prophecy te teachers working miracles. So I'm trying to get you ready for that day when people start asking you to teach them. Now, we just left off in Revelation chapter 2, and we just went through the first seven verses about the church of Ephesus. And we explained why that's important. Today, we're going to pick up on the church of Smyrna. These churches are really important. And the reason a lot of times people don't, how do I say this? The reason they don't think that the churches, these seven churches mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3, are important 
is because <laughs> they don't understand some of the deeper things. And frankly, I didn't either. As a matter of fact, I made one DVD where I didn't even cover them because I didn't see <laughs> that was important. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. So I learned a whole lot by memorizing Revelation. And yes, I learned some of it by memorizing Revelation, but I learned a lot of it through Revelations. Matter of fact, I learned the best, the most important things through Revelations, not by memorizing it, but because I memorized it, God gave him the Revelation. At least that's my understanding of it. Okay, so let's get into it. So here we are, Revelation 2, verse 8. We're going to cover these churches. There are actually seven churches, and yes, there were seven physical churches located in Western Asia, which is now Turkey, Western Turkey. But there is also seven spirits, and there are seven church ages. However, all seven of these angels that are over these churches are still out there today. So while this was a letter to a specific church that was about 2,000 years ago, you also have to understand that this letter is still alive and it's still speaking to those people of, yes, that particular church age, but it's also speaking to a lot of Christians even today. Now, let's get on to it. And under the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Why do you say that? He's saying this is what Jesus says when he says the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. And the reason he uses that as his introduction is because that's in verse 8. Jump over two verses over to verse 10, and he's going to tell them to be faithful unto the death, and he'll give them a crown of life. So in that he says, if you'll be faithful to the death, I'll give you a crown of life, is because he has already died dead and died and come back to life, meaning I can bring you back to life. I can prove it because I came back from, de from the dead too. All right, now let's go to verse 9. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty. So this is a church of 2,000 years ago, but it's also a church that is still alive on the earth today, someplace, somehow, somewhere. And he is still, and I'm going to show you this in just a minute. He is still speaking us to us today that we should all be prepared to have our works judged and be prepared to go through tribulation and poverty. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And as we've already discussed, there is a whole group of people out there that originated, which, by the way, in western Turkey and also southern and southern western Russia called the Khazarians. Today, they represent the international bankers or the deep state, and they pretty much rule the world, and they've been ruling the international financial system for over 300 years. But part of this 112,300 people that are about to be arrested is the cleaning out of a lot of them. Now, they're going to take a good stab at it, and they'll clean out a good degree of it. But they're not going to clean out all the evil, and they're not going to remove all of these Khazarian mafia. They're not going to remove all the deep, deep state. It is going to take over the world. They will have a world government, and the beast will rule for at least three and a half years. And the tribulation is a seven-year period. Anyway, so let's go on. I know thy works, and the tribulation poverty, but thou art rich. I know the blasphemy of them which say there are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Now... This is the part, brothers and sisters, that speaks to us all today. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. What? You see, if the pre-trib rapture was correct, why is that in the Bible? 
Why is Jesus saying that we are to fear none of those things which we shall suffer? If we're not going to suffer, if we're going into pre-trib rapture, then how come this is in the Bible? Answer, because there is no pre-trib. There is no mid-trib. There is no pre-wrath rapture. Nobody is going anywhere. Matthew thirteen thirty. Gather you first the tares, that's the sinners. Bind them into bundles and cast them into the fire. That's the morning star, which happens on the final trumpets. Then gather my wheat, that's the Christians, into the barn. Matthew thirteen thirty. I didn't write it. Go look it up for yourself. You will have people that are going to come to you and try to rip your head off, trying to prove to you that there's a pre-trib rapture. But at some point, they're all going to be wiping egg off of their face. They're all going to be coming to you and saying, all right, I apologize. You have my attention. I will listen to you now. So you got to stay in the right, brothers and sisters. You got to stay in the right. So let's go on. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison. There again, no pre-trib rapture. Devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried. You shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. See, if there is a pre-trib rapture, that whole verse wouldn't even be in the Bible. But what Jesus is telling us is that we are going to have tribulation. We have tribulation every day. Tribulation means trouble or pressure. We do have it every day. But what he's saying is that we are all this last generation, and not everybody, but I mean this last generation, we're all going to be tried. And he says, if you'll be faithful, even unto the death, then you can become an overcomer. An overcomer are those that are fulfilled in this scripture. For they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and love not their lives unto the death. So the overcomers are those people that were willing to die for Jesus. Many of them will die. Doesn't necessarily mean, I believe, that you have to die for Jesus to be an overcomer. But I do believe that you have to see the beast. You have to hear the beast. You have to hear him talk. You have to have the opportunity to take the mark of the beast, to worship his image, or to receive the name of the number of his name, and not do it. That's an overcomer. And the overcomers get some powerful blessings, which we will cover. He will cast some of you into prison that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, this is speaking to the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. In other words, if you hold fast to Jesus to the end, and you are willing to die for him rather than take the mark or to worship his image or receive the number of his name, if you are willing to resist it, then you are an overcomer. And unfortunately, most of those overcomers will probably give up their life for Jesus. But he gave his life for us. Why shouldn't we be willing to give our life for him? Now, let's go to the next church. This is the church at Pergamos. And under the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these sing things, saith he, which hath the sharp sword with two edges. Okay, what's the sharp sword with two edges? Well, that, brothers and sisters, is the morning star. And the very next church, Thyatira, when we get to that, will explain the morning star. But the morning star is the same thing as the two witnesses have. And I'll give power to my two witnesses. And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. These are my two 
olive trees and two candlesticks, stained before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. The morning star is a light sword. Those two witnesses simply blow at people, and they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. That's what he's talking about. He says, These things saith he that hath the sharp sword. That's the morning star. Jesus is the uh, bright and morning star, but we can also have the morning star. We'll get to that, too. Which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. See, he's giving them a compliment. He's saying, look it, you are living in the the dwelling place of Satan, literally where his seat is. And another place in Revelation talks about Satan's seat. We'll get to that too. It's a physical place where he dwells. You live where Satan lives, and yet you held fast my name. You did not deny my faith. See, brothers and sisters, that's a major, major, major point you got to get. you got to drill that into everybody's heart. As you talk to them in these Bible studies, you have to say, don't take the mark, don't take the mark, don't take the mark. Lose your head, whatever they're going to do to you, but you can't take that mark. You take that mark. Look, there's four groups of people that are burning in hell in torment for all eternity. Only four groups. And that is the beast, the false prophet, Lucifer, and those people that take his mark. Because, well, I'll just quote it. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to his work. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And whosoever, here it is, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The second death is the lake of fire, meaning if their name is not in the book of life, they are destroyed both body and soul, contrary to what many pastors want to tell you. They do not burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever. They do not. Only the beast, the false prophet, Lucifer, and those people taking the mark of the beast. Only. Please get that. Only. I quoted the verse to you. Only, only, only. There's another place that says, And the devil that deceives them was cast into the lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. In other words, the only people, and it's called perdition, the only people, only people, only people that get thrown into eternal torment is the beast, false prophet, Lucifer, and those that take his mark. Everybody else, either in the book of, of life and they get eternal life, or they're not in the book and body and soul is destroyed. Period. Let's go on. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. And thou holdest fast my name, and is not denied my faith. That's a good thing. We want to keep that in our heart. Even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr. So here's the situation. So this church, and it still represents the church. There's people alive today. This is speaking to them right now. This is talking to you. If you're living in a place where it's Satan's seed, and you're where you're seeing people being martyred, you're commanded by Jesus to hold fast to his name, do not deny his faith. Let's go on. Hold as fast my name is not denied my faith, even in those days where Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. So he's saying, yes, 
Some of you will be tried. Some of you will be killed. But if you'll be faithful to death, if you will not deny my name, I will give you a crown of life. That's so contrary to the big fat lie called the pre-trib rapture. Can you tell I'm against the pre-trib rapture? I'm telling you it's going to be a destruction. The pre-trib rapture is the biggest lie in the American church or the church worldwide. It is the biggest lie pastors preach today. If I could just get them to listen to me, I would show them they're wrong, 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 wrong. Did I say wrong? They're wrong. I'd be happy to show them. But you see, and and let me just tell you, let me defend the pastors here just a little bit. There's a lot of pastors they know. They know that pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture. They know it's not right. But they also know they'll lose their church if they tell them it's a post-trib rapture. Why? While we live in the, the doctrinal time when they will not endure a sound doctrine. In other words, the church members run the church, and they run the church with their checkbook. If you don't preach what I like, if you don't say what I like, if you don't have churches that are pretty and, and the pews are soft enough and the music's good enough, if you don't do what I like, I'll just walk out. I'll just take my checkbook and I'll just leave. They will not endure sound doctrine. The laity, that's why we are the church of the Laodiceans, the laity, the common person, the person's not ordained, not called of God, is running the church. So you got to do what they tell you to do. Well, at the Spirit of Prophecy Church, taint that way. Taint that way. We don't have a board. We're not a 501c3. No one tells me or Leslie what to do. Just like this radio program, as you probably can tell, taint no board behind me. No one tell me what to say and don't say. However... I pray, just as I did just before this broadcast, every broadcast, I say, Lord, help me to say the right things. Don't let me say the wrong things. And occasionally, there are times when I'll say something, and he'll get all over me later on that evening, and it keeps coming to my heart. I need to remove that comment. And I'll pull that broadcast down, and I'll edit that comment out. So don't think that I'm just wild here just doing and saying anything I want to say and do. I'm closely monitored, closely, closely monitored by the Holy Spirit. Anyway, let's go on. Verse 14. But I have a few things against thee. Okay, so he starts out and he says some wonderful things about them. Look, you're sticking with me. You're not denying my name. Even in those days where there's martyrs around you, people getting killed in your face, and you stuck with me. I'm pleased with that. Then... He always comes up with the things that they're not doing right. But I have a few things against thee. Because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Baalim, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit fornication. All right, now, hold on. There's not a whole lot of folks in churches telling people to eat things sacrificed to idols or to commit fornication. But I do think that there's some churches out there that are, how do we say, maybe turning a blind eye to it. In other words, they have people coming into their church. They know they're not married, and they aren't saying anything to them. He's not pleased with that. Let's go on. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans is where the church leadership is served by the people, the laity. The people of the church lift the pastor, lift the church leadership up, and they are treated like gods. They are treated like something special. He doesn't like that. And he says, repent, or else I'll come to them quickly 
and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, what is the sword of his mouth again? Uh, that's the morning star. What's the morning star? Well, that's the light sword, and that kills both body and soul. So he's saying, if you don't repent, I'm going to hit you with the morning star. Well, when does Jesus hit people with the morning star? No one since Jesus was born has been hit with the morning star. No one. We haven't even seen it. The only time, the one day, and the only day that Jesus hits people with the morning star, that's with the sword out of his mouth, is the day of trumpets. That's the day that he returns. In the evening tide they are, in the morning they are not, Isaiah seventeen fourteen. That's the one and only day he uses the sword of his mouth to destroy the tares. That's the burning of the tares. So if you want to think, oh, well, these churches happened 2,000 years ago. They don't relate to us today. Wrong. Wrong. This, my brothers and sisters, is talking to us today. That's right. He's saying, look it. He says, if you allow fornication, if you allow this sin in your church, I will hit you with the morning star. I will number you with the sinners. I will number you with the terrors. That's what he's saying. Now, let's go on. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and of the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I dare say of the thousands of people listening to my voice right now, I'm going to say that not one of you not one of you knows the answer that I'm about to give to you. And frankly, I didn't know it either. So if you don't know this answer, you would have been in the same group I was in two years ago before I started memorizing Revelation. Here's the question. That is, what is the hidden manna? What is the hidden manna? Now, the reason I'm pointing this out this way is sometimes if I just tell someone it's too easy and it doesn't stick. But if I ask a question then that forces us to look into the mental shelf in our brain. And when we find nothing there, and then when we're told the answer, sometimes it helps us to stick a little bit better. It also shows us that things do come to us by revelation. And this is one of those things that came to me by revelation. Okay, so back to the question. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna. What is the hidden manna? What is the hidden manna? Here's the answer. When Jesus returns, he rises to shake the earth terribly. Every high place falls, every low place raises, the rough places are made smooth, and crooked places are made straight. Meaning, every mountain falls, every valley fills in, and there's no more sea. And then, the, in other words, the earth is a nice round, smooth ball, and then there's one and only one mountain on the entire earth. And that's located just south of what is today Jerusalem. Point to verses on all of this. Then, when the new Jerusalem comes down to heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. This is when John says, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be their, their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. Neither there shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And that new Jerusalem, that square golden city, locates on top of that one and only mountain. And in the center of that is the light of the world. Jesus literally is the light of the of world because when the heaven rolls back like a scroll and time is no more and eternity enters into time and there is no more sun, 
When you're in eternity, you'll be able to look up into the sky. You will not see a sun. You will not see a dark sun. You will not see a moon. You will not see the stars. And instead, the only light from any place is coming from the light of the world. That is the city, the golden city on the hill. And that light goes around the earth, and it goes to the center of the earth. Because in Jesus, there is no darkness. You will not be able to find darkness any place. There is no such thing as a night in eternity. There is no such thing as darkness any place on the earth. And that hidden manna, because we are in a light body, as that light hits us, it energizes us. It gives us life. It is the hidden manna. So the question is, what is the hidden manna? The answer is, it is the light coming from Jesus, the light of the world that hits our light body and gives us energy or life because it is our life. Jesus literally is the life, the light of the world coming from the new Jerusalem to around the world. Now let's finish it. And I will give in him white stone and of the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. What's the white stone? Well, you know, I don't know what your word is going to be. I don't know what my word's going to be yet. But he gives something special to every person. Every person whose name is in the book of life gets this white stone. Well, let me back up. Those who are the overcomers. There are people in the book of life who are not overcomers. Matter of fact, there's people living out onto the face of the earth. Their name's in the book of life. They can enter into the city. But there's a small group of people that are called the overcomers. And only the overcomers get the white stone. The overcomers also get a new name written on the forehead. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But I'm going to end it right there. I'm going to say we'll continue at verse 18 tomorrow. This is the Church of Thyatira. The summer blowout is now in effect. This amazing offer is only offered for a brief time each summer. Right now, you can get 50 DVDs for a gift of $250, that's 5 bucks each, 25 for $160, $640 each, 15 for $120, $8 each, 10 for $100, $10 each, 6 for $70, $1160 each, 4 for $50, $1250 each, or 2 for $30, obviously $15 each. A single DVD is a gift of $30. See the selection of over 230 DVDs at prophecyclub.com bookstore. Or download our catalog. Note your selections, but you have to call our office 785-266-1112 to place your order. You have to call 785-266-1112. And this is probably going to be the last summer we make this offer. Prophecyclub.com, 785-266-1112. Prophecyclub.com, 785-266-1112. We are extending this offer until September the 6th. The blowout will continue and conclude on September the 6th. September the 6th will be your last day to get this amazing blowout offer and probably the last time ever. October 4, 5, and 6, it's the Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, 1051 Riverside Drive in Evansville, Indiana. Friday evening, 6.30, I'll speak on my seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials chart. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I'll speak on my feast and revelation prophecies chart. Saturday evening, 5 p.m., Leslie will speak on the Kundalini Spirit. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll take half the time with Miss the Mark, my new book, and Leslie will take the rest of it. 
As you know, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I want you to come so I can lay hands on you and anoint you for you to receive two anointings. The spirit of revelation as I received it when I memorized the book of Revelation. Two, to work in sevenfold miracles when the judgment arrives. The room only holds 350 people and the church is probably going to take from 100 to 150 of them. So it will fill quickly. I suggest you do the $25 registration quickly at endtimesconference.com. $25 registration at endtimesconference.com, October 4, 5, and 6, Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. See you there! You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings and soon over 300 without interruption. Most people would agree, 300 titles, normally $30 each, a gift of $100 a month would be reasonable, $50 a pretty good deal, but the introductory rate for a limited time is just $20, recurring monthly subscription. A one-year subscription is a gift of $200. There's no contract, you can cancel any time you want to, and you get the first three days free just to check it out. The best deal is a yearly subscription that'll lock in your rate for a year even when we raise the rates. WatchProphecyClub.com. Go check it out. WatchProphecyClub.com.